And that's one of the things we do in magic is we have an intention and then we, we demonstrate in the physical world with something like a candle or a crystal or creating a charm. Today, I have with me Tess Whitehurst, who's an award-winning author, feng shui consultant, and intuitive counselor. And you've probably actually seen a ton of her books at the bookstore if you've been poking around the metaphysical section. And we're going to get to a bunch of her books at the end, so we're going to be talking about a bunch of fun things that you can implement into your life every single day to make it more creative, magical, inspired, all that kind of good stuff. So anyway, welcome Tess, and uh, Thank thanks so much you. for being here. <laughs> Thank you so much for inviting me. It's great to see you. This whole time between right now the, the last couple weeks of the year I feel like it's a time where people are really busy slightly anxious um, have a huge to-do list maybe on the other side of things they're like oh I'll just wait till the new year like mm -hmm. you know what I mean it's such an interesting time how do you really feel about this time and what does it mean to you if anything uh, it's so it's such a wonderful magical interesting time because so the solstice which this year is December 21st I believe um, it's always the, right around there it is sort of like the new moon for the sun so this is the time when the the days are the shortest the nights are the longest but after the solstice the days begin to get longer so it's like the birth of the sun and that's why it's celebrated that way all over the world and has been for forever but for those of us close to the cycles of nature and especially women you know we're very very sensitive we're very feminine and we um, we're really aligned with the cycles of nature and of the planet and so this is the most yin time of the year so yin yang balance masculine feminine it's the darkest it's the most receptive and so we, we kind of forget that in our culture a lot because in our culture, we, we very much are sort of emphasizing the masculine and valuing the masculine. It's been that way for some time and there is a shift happening, but it's still in the fabric of our society. And it's interesting because we kind of do as a culture feel uncomfortable with that dark still time of year. So we fill it with all kinds of things like colors and light. That was one of my books. Like Christmas, <laughs> and Christmas. <laughs> yeah, colors and light and, and presents and things, you know, yeah. and, and activities and food. And it's like fill in that gap. But for those of us who really are tuned into the cycles, it does actually feel really good to rest and to have stillness and to have quiet. So I really feel like this time, if you can, I know so many of us are so busy and we're, you know, but it's very important to put boundaries around what feels really authentic to you and then um, to just at least taking five minutes of quiet alone time a day, you know, just to really tune into that yin energy so that when you do go out and do a bunch of things in the world, you have, you're tuned into that and you get to kind of recharge and nurture and align. Um, so for me, it is that it's that time of tuning into what nature is doing, which is going deep within under the snow or just kind of taking a time to regenerate before spring happens. And it's all that external starts to be that masculine external yang time of year. 
It is crazy, right? Because people really feel like, are so, I think a lot of people feel that winter is kind of like a dead time, right? But there's so much energy building up underneath the ground or within a tree or whatever, right? It's actually such a time of, um, it's the gestation period, right? Before mm-hmm. spring happens. Um, I'd love to just actually talk to you for a moment about the seasons and about creativity and inspiration for you. Um, personally, I remember speaking to someone about, maybe about, oh, I want to say like eight or so years ago, because I only used to love the summer. Like, and being a creative person, that was, I think that's odd, like looking back now. But, you know, now I can really appreciate the seasons for all of the gifts that they bring, especially winter, which is, for me, it's a little bit of um, being cold for some reason. I feel like it's a little bit of like a, a sadder, more reflective time. But I think that it is really important, like you said, to really take that time of stillness, reflection, and um, rest, right? Yeah, and just like stockpiling the books you want to read and reading them and curling up. And, you know, it is that time. And, and that the reading, cozying in um, and just like studying the things you want to study, that is our own also kind of intellectual, creative way of fueling our inspiration in a sort of a more passive way, but such an important way also. Learning the things we want to learn, letting ourselves read the stories that inspire us and kind of awaken our, our creative sense. You, you obviously, you know a lot about feng shui. You're, you're a magical feng shui consultant and I'm very familiar with feng shui too. And it's kind of funny. Feng shui is a kind of like a buzzword that goes around the internet now for people that don't know exactly what it is, but they're like feng shui this or feng shui that. And it kind of just means to clean up, clear out and, and make feel good. Right? So mm-hmm. For people that um, are familiar with the word feng shui, um, what are the benefits you feel of kind of doing a recalibration of your life, business, home, car, whatever it is, before the new year? Like, do you find that that is a, a beneficial thing to do, or should it just be done like all the time? Yeah, I mean, definitely clearing clutter and constantly reassessing and finding what's working and what doesn't work. I think that's a kind of a natural process throughout life that if we're on the spiritual path or if we're on a creative path that yeah that's something for us to think about all the time and you know like I said it is the birth of the sun it's a birth of a new cycle so we do kind of inherently feel a lot of freshness it's a whole new cycle of the year in January or February it's the lunar new year so that's a whole other astrological cycle that's starting and then we have the sun moving into Capricorn it, you know, right around December 21st to 23rd, which is so focused on um, success and focus and kind of like, you know, we have the holiday time of hanging out and resting and, you know, and then and playing and, and then Capricorn, you know, that's Sagittarius and then we move into Capricorn and we do kind of have this natural like, and now I'm really going to focus on my goals. So to just kind of be aware of that and then of course, just the idea this the, the year has another number attached to it it's a fresh start in that way so there's all of these different little ways that it is a fresh start um culturally and astrologically so i think that kind of riding with that tide of energy makes sense now astrology aside and um cultural celebrations aside so many people feel as though they need to start fresh on the new year. And I just want to talk about like mindset for a minute, because, you know, if you have a strong enough mindset to say, nope, you know what, I'm going to start smoke, stop smoking right now. Um, you know, a couple weeks before the new year, 
what I'm trying to get at is, you know, so many people feel as though they need that, uh, the mindset of the fresh new year to start, mm. start something or stop doing something, right? Um, how do you kind of feel about like that mindset point of view? Like, do you feel as though people can be as um, effective with their choices, um, you know, any time before the new year or... Um, yeah, I mean, it just depends on when it feels right to you and when you feel inspired. Um, I do think that there is, there can be a tendency with the word resolution yeah, and even with the Capricorn energy that's happening because the Capricorn energy is sort of can be self-critical. I do think there can be a tendency to have it be this resolution. I resolve to do this, you know, damn the torpedoes or whatever <laughs> It feels like um, it feels like it might we might rebel against that kind of inwardly if if we are rebellious against feeling criticism as I th I think we have to be careful for it to be like if it say we're gonna resolve to exercise more I think we have to make sure like really look at is it are we saying I have to exercise more because I'm in terrible shape and it just has to stop you know that's not gonna be sustainable. But if it's like, wow, I want to exercise because I love my body already and I love myself and I just want to take good care of myself because I love myself, mm -hmm. you know, that, that is sustainable and it feels like it's a constant nourishment. So it's not like already built in linguistically this idea, it, well, I'm resolving and I'm going to fight against how, you know. So I think that just kind of being conscious, especially for those of us who are creative and sensitive, for us to be conscious of what's the tone that I'm using with myself when I'm making these changes. Totally. It puts it, 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 it starts you off on a whole other track, right? It's, it's more of um, just improvement and the, the love of gr gratitude for what you already have an improvement opposed to a feeling of, I have to do this. Totally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, how can someone add ma more magic into their life right now? And, well, why, and why would they want to? That, I mean, I know, what they want to, but a lot of people, you know, they're like, they're fine going about their day, like, you know, every day. <laughs> right. Well, you know, to me, it's important because this is the real truth of what's going on here, <laughs> is that we don't know why we're here, really. Nobody really does or what's really going on. But it, when we become really present, we can see that there's immense beauty around us all the time that there's immense potential for sensory pleasure just by breathing consciously just by feeling the air on our skin or looking out the window this is the reality of what's going on so this is what i mean when i say only magic is real that when we start to think that there's other things that are real besides the magical mystery that's constant happening that's the illusion and it's a persistent illusion and it's an illusion that in many ways sometimes we kind of fall into because we've agreed to be you know a sane person in this culture <laughs> and that's okay but for us to remember to come back into that awareness as much as we possibly can to me that one of the ways I really gauge what's valuable for me as far as how to live and what perspective to have 
is to is is something I call the deathbed technique, which is to think about how am I going to look back over my life from my deathbed, and what will I really value? What moments will I really value? So, to me. Being conscious of the magic and the beauty of life, the love I have for other people, that uh, just how startled I am by how beautiful the people I love are, or the animals. You know that those are the kinds of things, and to me, that's what magic is—that richness of life. So it's like that's that's what it is. That's how you add it in is by breathing and coming to the present moment, and any other little things that. Awaken that sense of magic. So the magic, you know, I talk a lot about crystals and incense and astrology, and all of those things are just tools that, for me and for many people like you, you know, this helps bring us into this awareness of the magic. For some people, it's science. Mm -hmm. For some people, it's airplanes. For some people, it's color and fashion. You know, whatever it is for you that awakens you to that magic, that's, and, and it's a constant ongoing thing and it's changing. And that's being awake also to our creative self. You know, today it inspires me to color. In, in Sarah Marie Thompson's coloring book. <laughs> Tomorrow, <laughs> it inspires me to, you know, watch French foreign films or walk barefoot in the grass. You know, it's being aware and awake of what, to what is really reminding us of what's really going on here in this life as it's passing us by. I love that you have like that little saying, like only magic is real. I have, I have a say, I have like a personal saying where I say like creativity equals magic. And yeah. I think it's actually exactly the same thing, but mm -hmm. just a different focus. Mm -hmm. And because everything really that is, has been created or that we could possibly create is truly beautiful and magical. Right. So mm -hmm. I love that. It's like totally different. Totally the same. <laughs> totally the same. And also, one of the things, when, when I work magic, when you work magic, is creating our life experience. It's being tuned in in the same way we tune into, what do I want to paint on this canvas? Mm -hmm. It's, what do I want to paint on the canvas of my life? And it's that same impulse, and it's that same ability. It's that bringing of the invisible into the visible through this amazing vessel of our being. Which is an interesting thing to think about, actually, like the whole like blank canvas, because um, myself being an artist and having done just a ton of artwork um, and also trying to promote our artwork within friends and family and people I know, um, a lot of people are scared to start on the blank canvas, right? Mm. And, and, you know, I haven't really like, oops, I haven't really like looked into everybody individually, but I really, I wonder how that um, transforms into their life. You know, I wonder if... Mm -hmm. You have, um, you're scared to kind of start the artwork, just right. artwork. Are you scared to create in your own life? Yeah. Maybe not, or maybe, right? So I don't know. I just thought of that, but um, that's interesting. I'm going to start asking. <laughs> I'm going to start asking some people and get a good idea about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's a parallel for sure. Yeah. We're talking a little bit about magic. I want to know how can you. Um, teach us to personally bring more magic into our life when it comes to gratitude? Oh, well, so around gratitude. So gratitude is an amazing tool because it's connected to everything else. I mean, that's probably why you asked about it because you know that that's a doorway, a window into 
magnetizing all of the things that you love because what we focus on expands and it it's a gift in and of itself it's instant karma because the minute you realize how blessed you are is the minute you're feeling amazing <laughs> you know about life so to bring in more gratitude you know it is a natural state that we can set the the intention to cultivate and i do believe that a lot of times when we want to cultivate a certain mindset or tap into a certain energy it's a good idea to start with conscious breathing mm. just being you know like okay i'm going to bring in more gratitude so i'm going to sit here and i'm going to notice when i breathe in and i'm going to notice when i breathe out and then when i start to my mind starts to wander i'm just going to bring it back to the breath and as you start to do that your breath starts to deepen naturally without forcing it and then you also can start to become more aware of where are you holding tension in your body and start to breathe into that so then you've got an energy current flowing through once that happens, your heart starts to feel open and you can start to be like, wow, I'm so comfortable right now. Wow, this is such an amazing couch or chair I'm sitting on. I'm so lucky to be sitting on this comfortable chair and kind of go out from what are all the things that I can be, you know, all of the food in my fridge, my wonderful partner, my cat, you know, these cozy socks. You know, just It's a, a rampage of appreciation is what um, Esther and Jerry Hicks, the Abraham Hicks teachings, they talk about the rampage of appreciation. It starts opening you up more and more. You can also magically lighting a candle, just simply lighting a candle, setting the intention, I'm going to open up to gratitude, light the candle with that intention. Then, you know, baking a cake with a certain intention by bringing, not just having the intention and setting the intention, but then kind of bringing it into the physical world and demonstrating that intention in the physical world. It unites because we are wanting to create change through our consciousness in the physical world. So that's, that's when we talk about spells and rituals, that's kind of the concept of it is, uniting inner and outer above and below in that way so i want to ask you now about creating magic around um abundance but maybe your answer is going to be really really similar <laughs> yeah it is it's very similar um it's also i think that um abundance is and definitely gratitude because that's that what we focus on expands and vibration is what attracts and the feeling. So really, you know, if you're wanting to bring in more abundance every day as part of your daily meditation and really as creative, magical, spiritual people, a daily meditation about at least five minutes is so important. But uh, for part of your meditation, really getting into the feeling of luxury. And that can start with what do I already have in my life experience that's so luxurious, you know, a car that I can drive and, you know, and then go, okay, and what else do I want to bring in? And then feeling as if it's already present. So this may be accompanied by visualization. Maybe, maybe it really feels so luxurious to think of yourself just kind of like, Oh, which, you know, where do I want to travel and seeing yourself booking your flight in a luxurious hotel and seeing yourself in a spa or imagining your bank account having tons of zeros behind the number, you know, whatever behind these inner the visualizations. <laughs> I said oh, behind the number. <laughs> right. Other way. Strike that, reverse it. Um, but so, yeah, however you can kind of tap into that feeling. And then holding it and, and being grateful that it's already present and tapping into that because that's how magic works. And the more you do that, you know, just you can start out with parking spots. 
things that are not because with abundance sometimes it's, it it can be challenging to get started when you're not you know when you feel when you're in a, a place of fear already when you feel like I I really need this but if you kind of start with things that maybe aren't stressing you out like parking spots from yeah yeah then you can start to see oh this really works you know this is really a thing and you can maybe just kind of open it up it's magic also a lot of times is about just opening the door wider and wider and also being in a state of you know maybe things can get better well of course they can you know and then it kind of how can you get into a momentum of well I can believe maybe I can't believe that I'm gonna have a million dollars tomorrow but I can believe that I might have an unforeseen financial windfall I mean it could happen oh wouldn't that be cool if it did you know kind of building on that feeling of possibility and opening the doors and getting into and and any amount any tiny increment you can get toward a, a, a more comfortable vibration a, a more abundant vibration is getting you more and more into that flow even the idea of always be up leveling yourself in every point of your life however that looks you know even if you say even if right now you only have $100 in your bank account, how can you just up-level yourself to $125 and go from there and there and there, right? And I think that yeah. that's more of a attainable feeling for a lot of people. Exactly. You mentioned um, really getting into the feelings of luxury and abundance if you want to attract that. And I know that probably almost everybody wants to attract more of something. And it's usually money, right? So I want to ask you because I feel like you're a sensitive person and you love animals and I'm sure you feel the injustice of the world very deeply as do many of us do. I find that I hear often and I've experienced it to myself, you know, we can think about all these things that we want and then there's that side of our mind that's like, but so many people don't have anything. Oh, right, right, right. How can, how, how can you, um, share with us any kind of tips and tricks to really neutralize um, neutralize your feelings around guilt mm. yeah okay I love this question so if you really think about it logically so emotionally culturally we definitely have that story that it's not fair for me to have you know some people have it it's not fair to me for me to thrive when other people are not but if you really think about it logically, think about everything as energy too. Um, first of all, it's not going to benefit other people for you to be uncomfortable or unhappy or for you to not be in luxury. It's not helping them at all. This is not helping them. What could help them a lot energetically is your joy when you're in joy when you have the the things flowing in your life the way that you want them to flow and you're just living comfortably because you have comfort around you this is energetically spreading more joy um but then also just like from a kind of a more materialistic perspective the more you have the more you have to give the more resources you have the more idea you know the more you can put your ideas into action as far as how you specifically want to help the world but it, it there's the instant karma too if you go to the grocery store and you're feeling joy and you're feeling luxurious you're emanating peace and especially for those of us who are especially sensitive because we are um we're really powerful the way that the effect that we have on our loved ones our communities our worlds 
we're kind of like these beacons of energy. So if we're in discord, it's a whole other story than if we're in this flowy, luxurious sort of vibe. So it's a different paradigm, but I think it, it, I really do think it makes sense. And it really is that idea too about <clears throat> as above, so below your inner world reflects your outer world. We are all one. Um, you know, if you're having trouble getting over that hump of, of feeling some guilt and stuff like that, maybe a, a really good place to focus your energy is that, you know, as more, as you become more abundant, therefore others can become more abundant too. Mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. If you just want to stay in a slump of, <laughs> of, of feeling down, and in maybe in the vibration of poverty and that kind of thing, you, it isn't doing anybody any good. No. You any, you any good or others any good because no. you know, <laughs> no. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people could say, you know, Oh, but that money could be going to wherever, but truthfully, like unless you are helping and unless you are personally giving it to that person in need or that foundation or what have you, chances are it's not going to go over there. So <laughs> No, it, it's definitely tuning in, tapping into your joy and that flow is, is the most beneficial. And also, you're just in a state of mind that is more receptive to ideas that can help the world, to projects that can help the world. I mean, it's, there's so many ways. And, and of course, many of us were raised to um, expect resentment for having blessings or to, you know, maybe we observed our parents or our family resenting those who had more. Right. And that's a story, you know, and then we might think, oh, well, I don't want to be resented. I don't want them to be angry at me for having things. And that's a story of lack. And that's an energy of lack. And just because other people have that story, that doesn't mean that we have to continue with that story, especially when it's causing us to be uncomfortable and unhappy and to dim our light and to dim the amount of, of, of blessings that we can bring the world. There are so many stories, right? <laughs> it's so funny how so many people have all the same stories. They're just, you know, have a different cover of the book, right? So mm -hmm. crazy. Um, okay, <laughs> last, okay, last question about magic when it comes to inspiration and creativity. Oh, oh, that's the question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, how are they connected? Well, for you, how can you share with us to kind of increase your creativity in oh. when it comes to adding kind of more magic into your life? Yeah. Okay. So definitely creativity wants laughter and joy and playfulness and inner child healing. This is creativity and the inner child are so linked and children all believe in magic until they're taught otherwise by our culture. It's an inherent knowing. So letting yourself take joy, setting the intention to take joy in little things and whimsical things and sparkly things and whatever your inner child is wanting, you know, and this is also that same mindset that creates. It's this like very vibrationally um, fertile sort of mindset. Um, and then creatively, for those of us on the creative path, it's so important just to have space and time for what you want to create. I mean, that, to me, this is like, this is the key <laughs> that I think a lot of people, they're like, yeah, I want to do that. I want to write that. I want to make that movie. I want to learn that thing. And it's like just giving it an hour three times a week or 30 minutes, five times a week and setting a timer and then just writing or just playing your instrument or whatever it is, just giving that creative play some space. 
is important. And that also helps, I think, to, um, to override or silence the inner critic that we all have forever, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it, it's really allowing yourself to start painting on that blank canvas, right? Because, oh my gosh, how many times have you heard it from either like your clients or just folks you talk to? So many people are like, oh, I want to take that trip or I really want to start that project. And it's been like five years in the making. And you're like, mm -hmm. can you say that to me five years ago and you haven't yeah. started? <laughs> yeah, it's like just, it's and it's so much simpler than it sounds to just set that rule. You know, the, the rule is... I give this project, whatever you decide, 20 minutes, five times a week, whatever it is. And then I, and maybe you just sit in front of your computer screen and maybe you just sit there yeah. or maybe you write something that you delete later, but you, maybe you write a poem instead of your novel, but it, you, it just, the rule, if you just make the rule to give it the time and the space, that's it. That's the only rule <laughs> that it's amazing. It's like, then you don't even have to think. I think a lot of people also get bogged down in the, in the details. Like, oh, I want to start that, but I don't know what I'll start with. And it's like, well, just start something. That's, mm -hmm. you just got to start something and just delete it later, but just start going for it now. You know what I mean? How do you personally feel about, because you obviously have written um, a number of books. Um, how do you personally feel about starting projects on your computer? Me personally, I, when I sit down at a keyboard, I'm like, uh, I have no idea, but when I'm uh, like journaling, like, uh, you know, physical pen or pencil or whatever on paper, I can come up with all these great ideas. Is that, yeah, yeah, you know, I do. It seems like my brainstorms for my projects do always start in my journal with a pen and on paper. But then once I get the outline and the concept sort of sorted out, then I can move to my computer and get going on it. Nice. I think that that's probably the same for a lot of people. And so, but they don't really take that next step of like, okay, I'm going to move over to my journal. So they kind of like sit there like at their keyboard or their lab. Oh, right, right, right. Right. Yeah. Because so, I think that there really is a really physical, magical um, part of free handwriting, right? Mm -hmm. so, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I also, I read this really great relationship book recently, um, Conscious Loving Ever After by Gay and Kathleen Hendricks. And they talk about, it's, a, it's about relationships after the age of 40 or something. I'm not 40 yet, but I still want to dream it because <laughs> they're awesome. But they talked about how the biggest, to them, a big, maybe the biggest key to having a long-term, really nourishing, fun, connected relationship was um, first thing in the morning, giving your creativity at least five minutes just to create something, whether it's baking or dancing or something, just so that you make sure that you're tapping into that flow of, you know, like we're talking about kind of what's interesting to me today and how can I bring that energy into the physical world today? And then when you relate to your partner, then you have that already flowing. Awesome. That's an awesome. Yeah. Idea. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody start that in 2017. <laughs> yeah, totally. Every single day when you wake up in the morning. Um, now you're online. Everybody like starts posting their words for the new year, right? My, my word or whatever, right? Did you have a word that you kind of, oh, no, I don't, I didn't know what you meant about that. Maybe I didn't pay attention to that word thing, but if I were going to pick a word, <laughs> I would pick, I think every year I would pick love. Oh, okay. But I was like thinking, well, love or joy for okay. every year. But then I thought they're kind of the same thing to me, love and joy. 
that being constantly in love with life, constantly in love with the people in my life and the situations in my life is the same as joy. And I think that that, that would kind of, yeah, be my, be my word for every year. I think joy is also like w- when you say that, I just think of the word allowing, like when you're mm. open to joy, you're yeah. really open to all different experiences, possibilities. Oh yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, my word 2016, it started off uh, with uh, the word clarity. And as I think it was like mid year, I was like, why did I pick that word? But, but because I had gained a lot of clarity. So it was interesting how halfway through the year, my kind of, you know, go-to word for the year had, had changed. I, I can't remember what it changed to, but this year I have the word enjoyment because oh, yeah. I really feel that in your business, in your life, whatever it is, if you're really coming from a place of enjoyment and feeling good, like you're going to attract everything that you need, everything that you ever want, right? So Right, and then also it's kind of the whole point. Like whatever else you're wanting to manifest is because you want to enjoy life (laughs) you want to enjoy something so you might as well start now um so you guys when you're watching this we'd love for you to comment below and post your word of the year if you've given yourself one for 2017 i'd love to to know what it is um let's see now do you have any kind of activity or just something really not to put you on the spot but just something that people can bring into this next uh next few weeks before the new year starts to kind of gear themselves up for their best year yet maybe like um uh a little activity or like um a, a way of meditating or whatever you yeah. think of <laughs> yeah you know i would say until the new moon, there's a new moon that I think is maybe on December 29th or right around there. Um, it's like the yin time of the year, but it's also the waning moon. And then it's also the holidays. So there's a bunch of hustle and bustle, but there, there's also this kind of tendency to go within. So I think that it would be really cool until that new moon to, um, to make sure you have at least five minutes of quiet alone time, maybe even in the dark, lighting a candle in the dark and just noticing your breath and breathing and really enjoying it, kind of setting the intention to feel sensually conscious and present and just enjoy that moment of silence and stillness and kind of enter into it. Because when that happens, especially when you set that intention to kind of like listen for the silence and to listen for the magic that is in between everything. It's always there. It's always underneath everything. So to get really aligned with that silence and that darkness until the new moon. And then after the new moon, maybe you could keep that habit of having the five minutes and lighting the candle and then have it be also kind of bringing in your intentions because then we're going to have the new moon and then the new year and then, uh, Chinese New Year and not too long of a time so then we're and we've got the Capricorn and starting to happen so we can add that in but I think it will kind of really benefit the whole process if you can start out by unwinding and giving some time and space and rest and you know inward kind of journeying are you a big person on um like like dream boards or dream books and things like that. I, I personally don't do like a lot of dream boards or vision boards, that kind of thing. However, at this point in the year, I always somehow kind of like to collect different imagery or something like that and kind of put together like a little bit of like a book or something for myself that can just kind of remind me like, yeah, this is like what I'm up to 
for the new year or this is what I would like to kind of bring into my life for the new year. Do you do anything like that? Sometimes. Um, sometimes it's fun. I feel I find that coloring is really cool for that too because you know if you set an intention and then you color a mandala or you know you definitely your coloring book would be awesome for it. Then you're accessing another part of your brain and you're kind of connecting with that creative flow so it's that same energy we're talking about with creativity 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 and then creating the life experience that you want to have so yeah I do that sometimes I have done the vision board thing you can find pictures make boards on Pinterest or there's all kinds of work like that but it's all um, as long as it's helping you to get into that feeling of what you're wanting to manifest and then to also help you kind of get clear on what it is because that's all a part of that creative process too is and it's not I really like to think of it as getting aligned with that natural aspect of you I mean time is an illusion and so I think part of that whole creative process is working within that illusion of time but when we're kind of wanting to go toward the future that we want to create to think of it as a way of tapping into something that's already there it's like your most beautiful possible future your most natural emanation of your energetic self you know not like Oh, I just, you know, it's not like, a, it's not random. It's an, it's an aspect of who you already are. It's like a soul connected thing. So if imagery, and it definitely does help you go, oh yeah, that's it. You know, and that's, that's feng shui too. When you pick imagery for your wall, mm -hmm. you want to make sure that that imagery gives you a feeling that you want to experience in your life because it's so powerful that it's there on your wall. So it's that same thing of looking like this is my relationship corner the far right corner of my house it's my relationship corner I'm going to look for an image and that whole process of looking and going oh no not that that's not the energy that's not the feeling oh that's it you know that's all a part of the magic so when you're vision boarding it's not just about cutting out pieces of paper it's about that like that sorting through and finding and resonating with perfect intentions for yeah. those things that's awesome. Um, okay, so I've got something fun. I just have to find it here. So I was looking through your blogs. And I'm going to test you on this. Do you remember what your nine, the nine solstice gifts that you gave um, last um, or in December of 2011 were to your tribe? <laughs> no. I mean, I'm sure they, I remember, I do remember that they had something to do with each of the nine life areas in feng shui. I don't think I know exactly what, how I phrase them. I definitely don't. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't expect you to remember them off by heart, but I'm gonna, <laughs> I, I, I love them. And I'm just going to share them. And if you'd like to add anything at all, like after I just kind of uh, mention each one. So you've got the gift of serenity. And to activate this gift, drink at least eight ounces of pure water. Then, I, then ideally in a serene natural setting, but really anywhere where you won't be disturbed, sit comfortably within, with your spine straight, close your eyes and place your left hand on your heart and your right hand over it. Begin to simply notice your breath as it goes in and out. When your breath naturally begins to deepen and slow down on the inhale, think I breathe in serenity. On the exhale, think I breathe out everything else. Repeat at least two more times and then continue for as long as it feels good to you. Neat. Yeah, I remember that. 
<laughs> we have the gift of authenticity, which I think is really, really important. This gift is about being in alignment with your most ideal life path. To activate this gift, draw a bath and dissolve one cup of sea salt in it. Light a white or off-white candle and perhaps a stick of incense. Hold your hand over the water and say, this water, like the sea from which the salt within it came represents the ocean's darkest depths. I call on the spirit of the ocean deep to infuse this water with joyful flow and fearless authenticity. Get into the water and relax deeply. When you feel ready, with your eyes closed, think, I follow my bliss, I know my bliss, I live my bliss, I am my bliss. All right. <laughs> oh, yeah. So those are the first two. Yeah. And then I'm not going to read them all. I'm going to actually um, po post the link to this so people can uh, get into them. But you have the gift of synchronicity, the gift of creativity, the gift of romance, the gift of radiance, the gift of abundance, the gift of resilience, and the gift of balance. Yeah. So those were actually also the chapter names of my book, The Art of Bliss. What did I have right here? Awesome. Yeah let's, talk, yeah, let's talk about your book. So you have a number of books. Um, they're all, I would say, over uh, a metaphysical, magical umbrella. Like, that's where you're going to find them in the bookstore, right? But I'd love for you to just kind of share um, each one of your books that you've put out because I think that they would make amazing gifts if everyone, anyone is looking for gifts for their fun friends, um, even for themselves. Because I think that, you know, at Christmas time, I tend to find a lot of things for myself, too. So... <laughs> Cool. Yeah, thanks. Um, so yes, yeah, so the Art of Bliss, the one we're just talking about, this one is, um, I talk about all nine life areas of the feng shui floor plan, but not just as they relate to feng shui, but as they are, it's a conceptual framework. It's also the, the wisdom of feng shui is, it, it's also from the I Ching, which is the oldest known book, if, if that, I think that's correct, correct. And it's a, it's an oracle. It's a very, very ancient Chinese oracle. But each of the nine life areas comes from the trigrams or the hexagrams of the um, of the I Ching, and so they're related to an aspect of nature. And when all nine of them are activated and flowing in our lives in a really awesome way, then our we feel a, a level of holistic balance. It's really interesting, also, how they all interact with all the other areas. It's kind of cool when you're aware of the invisible world to have some kind of conceptual framework to work with. So it's not just like, so you can kind of see, oh, if I bring this area of my life into balance, it's going to nourish all these other areas. You kind of have a way of working with that conceptually. So I, I love the wisdom in this book. Um, I'll go through them quickly. Where's my new one? Oh, here it is. My new one is The Magic of Trees. And I'm really, it's so beautiful on the inside. There's all these like pictures of the trees. And this was so hard to write. <laughs> I was like, I was really actually surprised. I wrote the, um, I wrote the uh, book proposal and I didn't know what I was getting myself into because there's so much folklore attached to trees. I mean, there it, it's like 
humans and trees and spirituality just like just so they go together and it's so there's all these different cultures and there's all these different stories and so and it was it was amazing it was I learned so much and I'm so proud of it it, it was but it was tedious work <laughs> so, but it's, it's out now and I'm excited I am um, um, I well loving nature I love trees but there's this one book that I got years ago and I think I might have even I'm not sure if I told you about it when you were working on your book, but um, and I hope I get her name right, but by Sherilyn Hidalgo, and it's the, oh shoot, Spirit of Trees, or it's an all green kind of Celtic book, and um, I think I, I messed up the title, but um, yeah, it's, it's a really beautiful book, and you don't really see that many books on trees and what they're mm. all about, so maybe because it is um, a topic that is not the easiest to, to write about, but... Um, maybe! <laughs> Yeah, but it's cool. It's, it talks about how to communicate with trees and then there's spells and rituals that you can do with trees and with, you know, um, nuts that come from trees and knowing the spirit of the tree and the stories connected. And it's neat. It's a neat book. I think it's a good reference book to have for magical people. Awesome. Um, this is my Magic of Flowers Oracle, which is an oracle deck that is really the artist is amazing. And um, there's 44 of them. And it's like a... a a guidance sort of you ask a question and you shuffle the, the cards and then there's a past present and a future and they're always it's the with the essence of flowers because I also wrote this book the magic of flowers um, and flowers are these amazing beings that are like mandalas or chakras or wheels of energy but they're visible and they really do when you tune in when you breathe when you relax when you allow yourself to kind of get into the floral language and that floral energetic emanation they're spiritual teachers and so um so i i tapped into the wisdom of flowers themselves for each of the cards and there's a guidebook but it's so positive it comes because they do flowers they're kind of like angels in a way where they come from the highest vision of you and your life and love so that it's never, there's never anything kind of scary or critical or it's always just this very gentle, very reassuring message from the floral realm. And it's interesting how they came through from the flowers and I dictated them because I will use this deck and I'll be like, wow, that's so wise. Like I really don't remember writing that. <laughs> so it's, it's a great, I'm very pleased with this deck. Then, flowers are interesting when you can like <clears throat> allow the idea of flowers into your life I know that sounds funny but growing up I mean I wasn't a tomboy but I just kind of was like no I'm not floral like I don't like flowers and I was kind of like always like repelling like the idea of it and um, I remember probably about like maybe it was like seven or eight years ago maybe just because I was like maturing or something but I was like I love flowers like I, I started to like bring them more into my life and um I became like a master gardener and like just like I just loved the idea of, of flowers and now like one of my favorite scents is rose like I love it which is not something I would have loved way back growing up um but yeah I mean that's a whole other thing right scents like <laughs> yeah but it's a part of the floral wisdom also and it's just amazing how they communicate to our sense of beauty nothing I mean it's it, 
is there anything in the physical world that is so synonymous with beauty and they're living beings and they evolved they co-evolved with us for us to see them as beautiful so it's a part of and to smell them as beautiful and to experience them as beauty personified you know brought into the physical world so that's actually a language that they speak to us it's just it's amazing it was when i wrote the magic of flowers i got a membership to a botanical garden and I just was like crying all the time because my heart was so open. It was really awesome. Got a membership to a botanical garden. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. It's a work. I know. Um, okay. So Magical Fashionista. This was super fun too because really I think that we all, I mean, we all get dressed every day and we all take care of our bodies. And I had this realization at some point that, this is the same kind of idea as feng shui that it's when we can bring a awareness of our spirituality a consciousness to the clothes we choose and the way we care for our body it's a really magical act and it's an act that um when we bring that consciousness to it daily can have such an amazing effect on our self-love and our self-acceptance which has a huge effect on every other thing in our lives can you give us like a little example of like something that's in that book? Cause like I, I would imagine that people would be like, Oh, she's just going to teach us like how, how to dress like fun. Right. <laughs> but like, can you give us a little bit of an example of something like specific that you would, would talk about in that book? Yeah. Well, one of the things I start with is to think of yourself. Cause I think that the way that we approach fashion kind of in a, the mainstream cultural way, I mean, often there's that like who wore it best and like, what's hot this year and what's out and you know and that's um just not doesn't feel like it's nourishing our souls i don't think any of us really feel nourished by that way of viewing fashion and also it i think it, there's a natural kind of i think a lot of people i mean myself included i think for a long time i was turned off by the whole concept because it had to me i felt like it had self-criticism built in like i don't look like a supermodel i'm not built like a supermodel you know what i mean like that it's just starting off with that. And that's the, to me, that to many of us, that's a whole concept of the fashion industry. So when I start out the whole kind of the whole thing, and there's a lot of different ways that I approach the, the topic, but I started out with this idea and this practice, this whole kind of ritual of beginning to see yourself as already a perfect work of art. You're already beautiful. You're already a perfect work of art. Then when you go out and you choose what you want to wear and how you want to wear it and what colors you want to wear. They're all coming from already seeing yourself as a work of art. And how can I enhance this mm -hmm. beautiful work of art or how can I adorn it with love and beauty? If I'm going to get dressed anyway, I might as well do that <laughs> instead of like, Oh, let me look and see what's in style this year. And then kind of, cause I, I remember just thinking like that, not, not really thinking of myself as a work of art. And then I would see other people wearing, you know, for example, a friend of mine, I remember seeing her wear this like gray sort of satin. And I thought, Oh, that looks so beautiful on her. And then I tried on something like that and it, I felt like I looked terrible. And then, and then just thinking, Oh, what's wrong with me? I'm not as pretty as her. I'm not. And it's not that it's just that I, my particular coloring and the way that I'm textured, it doesn't go with solid colored gray satin. It just doesn't. It doesn't mean I, there's something wrong with me. It just means that sat, that gray satin wasn't right for me. And so it's this simple concept. And I know that a lot of people 
have the, an, an idea of that, like stylists and stuff. But I think that the average person isn't really, we're not really taught that to think of ourselves as already a perfect work of art that's built perfectly, that's colored perfectly with the perfect texture of our hair and color of our eyes, perfect age, perfect height. And then, you know, how can I just like celebrate that by what I choose to wear? I, I love it when I see people, uh, you mentioned like how different fashions like come into play and everybody kind of starts wearing a lot, right? Like it, that's just kind of like the norm of what people do. But I love it when I see somebody wearing like a fashion that was like so nine years ago, but they love it so much that they continue to rock it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure you have like come across that too, but um, yeah, it's just like that person was like, no, like I love this. Like I love it so much and I'm going to continue to wear it even though it's so not in style anymore. <laughs> because I think that when you see, I think we all have had the experience of seeing someone who isn't, wouldn't be a supermodel, isn't classically beautiful, isn't even dressed in a way that is contemporary or technically stylish, but because they're so self-possessed and they're so confident and they're owning what they're wearing and who they are so much, they just are just drop dead gorgeous. And yeah. that's the whole, I mean, chariz that's charisma is just accepting yourself, owning who you are and how you look and how do I want to dress and does it, it has nothing to do with what's in style now or maybe it does. Maybe you love to wear what's in style now and that's a part of your essence and that's great too. But it's all about what really feels right to you and how you can continue to own that. Awesome. Thanks. Awesome. So are we still doing the book thing? Yeah. <laughs> You've got more. So I have three more. Um, okay, the good energy book. This one is this one is um, a comprehensive method of keeping your energy clear and positive, which I think kind of was born out of living in Venice Beach and Los Angeles for quite a long time. Now I live in a small town in the Rocky Mountains, um, and that is really seems a lot more copacetic with my whole <laughs> sensitivity. But um, but having needing to find a way to stay sane and clear. In Los Angeles, I had a lot of activities that I started to implement, <laughs> visualizations, um, energetic protections, and I still use them. I still think they're valuable, but it was, I think they were kind of forged in the fire <laughs> when I was living in that city, um, which was very energetically challenging for me and many others. Others love it, but it was, it was I, know, I still love it. I, did, I do love Los Angeles. It's just energetically, there's a lot of stuff. Happening there. Well, I remember reading a book once and it like it mentioned that you lived in Venice with like your cat and your boyfriend and I was like thinking to myself like interesting like that is really interesting because now you I think that people just kind of like imagine you to live in the you know in a small town like near the woods right like with with the type of um products that you're bringing out but that's really interesting so I, that's one of the books i actually haven't read yet so i'm gonna i'm gonna take a peek at that and see if i can um can like pick up on like your uh geography in that book okay yeah cool i mean i think it's a very i recommend it to anyone who is a lot of people, I think, especially when you start out, just start out on the kind of metaphysical spiritual path, you start to be aware of a lot of energies that are in your field that maybe aren't something you want in your field. And um, so I recommend it when people ask me about that, like, how do you get someone out of your energy field? How do you stay feeling safe in the world? You know, how do you stay positive in challenging environments? It's like that. It's really good for if you're asking any questions like that. Awesome. Cool. 
Um, then we have holistic energy magic. This is my most recent one before the magic of trees. And this is one of my favorites. Although maybe I always say that about my recent books more. <laughs> but anyway, it's, um, it's really fun. It's working magic without any physical tools. Because I think a lot of us, once we start working magic regularly, we do start to kind of get, we use visualization maybe more or um, hand gestures or just kind of have, have ways that we work with our intuition maybe without using an actual deck of cards. So any ways that you can kind of bring in your spiritual magical path without physical tools and it's, it's fun. I like it. Because I think people think that they really, like, they become obsessed with the ideas of, of rocks and crystals, or they become obsessed with the idea of smudging, or, you know, those physical things. And I know the physical part of it does really connect you to the earth, which is a really, really nice connection. Uh, however, so many people, uh, you know, you have the ability to do that kind of energy transformation without any physical physical objects. So they really are just, again, just tools, right, um, in the ground. Mm -hmm. So that, that seems like it would be a really, really good book for a lot of people. Yeah. And maybe you want to do some magic when you're on the bus or you're at work or something and you don't want people to know and you don't want to have to gather herbs at that moment. <laughs> so yeah, it's useful. Now I think you're going to bring out my favorite book next. I'm just guessing. <laughs> yeah. This is the one I haven't talked about yet. Magical housekeeping. <laughs> do, you, do you want to talk about it? Yeah. Your, your experience please, with it? Yes, please do. I, I, um, I found this book like years ago, like in a, in a bookstore. And I got to say like the cover, I do judge a book by its cover and the cover just was like, need it. And I'm like, I don't care. What, I don't care what it's about. And I want to be. Yay. That's good to hear. Yeah. So glad I got it, but it's really, really beautiful. So yeah, please touch on it. Oh, so, um, it's a way of interacting with your home to create positive change in your life. And I think this is an amazing kind of square one for, the spiritual path for those of us on a magical spiritual path because our home is our sacred space. It's the, the place in the physical world that we, we spend a huge amount of time and we really sort of, um, it's like the shape of our life, the things that are in our, our space. And, and it is actually a place on the earth that is sacred. So it's a way of kind of bringing that, like we talk about bringing our intentions into the physical world. If we clean our house with the knowledge that we're creating space for beauty to flow in, or we treasure all of the little details of our house as magical aspects of our lives, this is a way of training ourselves, reminding ourselves to always come back, to always unite that spiritual and physical, um, the seen and unseen in a way that reminds us of the magic and also keeps us in that place where we're manifesting the things that we want to create in our lives. It's so important. And it's also so simple. I, um, over the years, because I was an interior design for a number of years, uh, but I really don't think this has anything to do with it. Um, you know, people would often come into my house and just be like, I love, like, I love your stuff. Like I love whatever. And I would just be like, honestly, the, the reason why it probably feels good to you is because I love every single thing that I have. I'm not, if I don't love something, I'm, I'm not going to keep it or I'm not going to buy it. Right. And so I think that's a real difference. You know, even if you can't afford a lot of stuff and you, um, you only have the things in your house that you absolutely love and that's not a lot of stuff, your house is probably still going to have an, a, a much better vibe to it than filling it with junk you don't want or need or like. 
Yeah, and then also bringing, it's kind of that same thing we were talking about with fashion, that one person can wear something and another person can wear something and just love it. And you see the love, you see that. So it's like if, if you have something in your home and you actively love it, when you actively take care of it, your entire home, you know, you cultivate a love of where you live, then people can sense that. It gives that, it brings an aliveness and a beauty and a kind of a radiance to wherever that love is directed. Well, I'm kind of glad we ended on that word love again. It's kind of full circle from uh, you mentioning that like one of your words for every year is love and joy. So I hope that this chat that we've had has, has given some people some insight, inspiration, um, new creative ideas, and just kind of like a, an appreciation for things that they have. Um, in their life, whether that be mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically, all of that. So run out and grab Tess's books if any of those uh, interest you because I'm sure once you start reading them or you give them to your friends and family as gifts and things like that, I'm sure they'll be thanking you. So. <laughs>